Double Take is an extension of the award-winning movie review show Cinema Classics, which airs Thursdays at 8.01 p.m. on WCBE 90.5 FM, Columbus, Ohio. Hosted by John DeSando, this podcast features additional content and discussion with guests. I'm John DeSando. And I'm K.G. Klein. And this is Double Take. I needed a special mind on this show because we're getting into that area we, uh, that I call the dead zone. Uh-oh. And trying to find a good movie <laughs> is a real search at this time of year. February can be a challenge. Oh, it is. So very much like uh, perhaps the search that goes on in the movie that we have here. There's a mystery about it, and it's called Argyle. Argyle has been a film that I've been watching now uh, for about two years, waiting for this to uh, go through production and come out. It was plagued with problems early on, originally in the casting especially. But what is Argyle? Argyle is a film about a middle-aged novelist of spy novels, sort of nerdy, kind of introverted, who gets kidnapped because her spy novels contain the key to an international terrorist organization's efforts to do terrible things. Now, if this sounds familiar, it's because we had a film two years ago called The Lost City with Sandra Bullock and Brad Pitt. That was very, very similar in story. Very good, yes. Argyle stars Bryce Dallas Howard. We know her from the most recent Jurassic World. Listen, she has... One of the most beautiful faces in film. She has wonderful and flaming red hair and a, a very, very yeah. uh, cute cute face. We also have, in a star-studded cast, Henry Clavel, Superman himself oh, in this film. I will tell you, go to this movie just as he is due. <laughs> he has one of the, A mile-high haircut, uh, yes, it, yes. It is real. And I, with that kind of thing, I keep looking... For where it's planted on his head, and I can't, I, they're so good, I, can't, I just can't find it. Henry Clavel plays Agent Argyle, the agent in our heroine's novels. Yes. And then on top of that, we have Sam Rockwell, who we know, of course, from his Academy Award performance in Three Billboards yes. a couple of years ago. Rockwell is an amazing actor. He is such a skilled actor. He... He can really do some uh, amazing things with a role. With he's just wonderful to watch. And I, in watching this movie, I let myself go in the sense that sometimes this this kind of a tricky premise really discombobulates me. And I I could tell on right at the beginning that if I if I just let myself relax, so that I know who's real, who's her fantasy, you know, who are her characters, who are the real spies. I would go crazy. Once doing that, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Well, once our novelist heads out on a train, she gets kidnapped by Sam Rockwell's character to prevent her from falling into the wrong hands. And this begins a train ride of ups and downs and twists and curves and things that you never see coming that doesn't end really until the very last frames. Even Some of it even continues into the credits. And uh, with that star-studded cast that you're talking about, we do have... Uh, somebody who's who's peopling several movies. Uh, Ariana Dubois, you got it, is what? in this film. Yeah, I uh, almost, she has a relatively small part. Yeah, yeah. yeah. John Senna okay. is in this film in a relatively small. Part. Wanted way more of, and that was Richard E. Grant. Yes, uh, who is always good. And again, they have so many. A little disappointed that I don't get to see them more, but. That's both vir- vice and virtue of the movie. The movie may have a little bit too much all the way around. Well, the, the film 
again, the, the script is well written. It's got a lot of unsus- you know surprising turns. It keeps you guessing, but it is also a romance. And there's elements of the romance that just didn't work for me. Sam Rockwell, again, an amazing actor, but he has never been good as a romantic lead. On that very point, it's the kind of romance that I like because it's not romantic. I I love these relationships that develop organically or are there in the past because they have other things to do now. And you are right. And one of the things I love about Rockwell is that he is not a traditional Hollywood leading man type. Not at all. He can take on these complicated (laughs) characters with a lot of baggage and pull them off brilliantly. But as a romantic lead, no, he is is not good in that part. This plot is is so complicated that it is not worth our even trying to unravel. No, and I I would save the audience and tell you to go see the movie. And and sit back and be, enjoy the twists and turns of this film. It is a good film. It's a very enjoyable film. The acting is fantastic. It, the failing here is when well when they originally wanted to cast this movie and uh, in 2021 the first two they went to was Pitt and Pew. This was originally supposed to be a Brad Pitt Florence mm. Pugh film, and they famously Apple famously offered Brad Pitt forty million dollars to do this film. Is that the truth? It is the truth. And they offered Florence Pugh, I believe, $25 million to do the role. Candace is getting out of control. <laughs> and they turned it down. Pitt turned it down because he felt the script was too similar to The Lost City that he had just done with Sandra Bullock. Pugh turned it down. I'm not real sure why. She's so quirky. Yeah. I love her. Yeah. <laughs> but So they, they Apple went through not just their A-list, but their B-list and their C-list. They approached Mark Ruffalo. He turned it down. And, they, and so on and so forth until finally... They got Sam Rockwell to do it. This is Apple's third big, big film. Their first film that was um, Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah. $200 million epic yeah. with Martin Scorsese. So we're likely to see this streaming. We're very likely to see we, yeah. We're going to see this streaming because yeah. it's not making its money. It's so worth seeing in a theater because it's very colorful. It is. Very, you know, everybody's handsome. It's just, it's, you know, it's one of those movies where you sit back, don't expect too much, and you're going to get much more than you expected. Yeah. Well, this is our director who's been directing the Kingsman Matthew series. Matthew Vaughn. Yes, Matthew Vaughn. And the Kingsman series has been a good, solid action-adventure series. He's known for R-rated action with lots of violence and lots of CGI. And, and he does that here, and, but on a more PG-13 level. Yeah, and I thought the CGI here was a little bit cheesy. So. It was a little bit cheesy, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know whether that's purposeful or not. Well, part of it is because we're supposed to be seeing the cheesiness of her spy novels, <laughs> yeah. but part of it is also the failing of CGI to ever yeah. live up. And this is why, you know, Tom Cruise does everything live action for Mission Impossible films. But this was... Um, I think I'm right that Matthew Vaughn also directed Layer Cake. He did. He <laughs> did. Which is a quirky, great little movie. And where this movie steps apart from The Kingsman is this movie, I think, is much more geared for a female audience. All right. I, I think if you're a female fan of action films and you want to see Henry Clavel looking really good and Sam, uh, oh. Sam Rockwell looking yeah. good and seeing it through the eyes of this very, very cute actress who is not in any way intimidating, yeah. this is a really good yeah. film to go see. Yeah. There's something about the creation of the novel in this. Uh, underneath all of the silliness, there, her struggle 
to come to terms with her characters and her craft is very interesting if you look you know if you're willing to get away from the silliness and look at it as a treatise on the difficulties of writing anything and that's just one of about 20 different elements in this movie yes, all right. so yeah great date night film stay through the credits there's a very very interesting little scene that's other spy spoofs <laughs> let's stay with this one for just a bit do you have anything more to say about this one well yes again the backstory of this I start this hit the radar about two years ago when Brad Pitt famously turned down $40 million to do this movie, and Florence Pugh then backed out. Apple is trying to make a name for themselves in motion pictures now. They've got a deep, deep pockets, and they can do it. Their first film, $200 million movie, Killers of the Flower Moon. Martin Scorsese got his name on it. I think and, they hit it right on that and, one. Oh, yeah. And they, once Scorsese was attached to that project, they had no difficulty <laughs> casting Leonardo DiCaprio and a, a whole slew of other top actors. Then Napoleon, their second film, $200 million epic. I could talk for a while about the questionable casting, but again, no difficulty putting that film together. Argyle, another $200 million movie. Incredible. And it was a casting nightmare. No matter how much money they threw at people, they just couldn't get anybody to pick up this film. (laughs) And that's why they finally ended up with Sam Rockwell, not their first, second, or third choice, and... Um, Miss Howard, again, not their first, second, or third choice. And one that that we didn't have enough of, John Cena. John Cena, yeah. yeah. I I thought he really liked The film really came together when Henry Clavel became connected to the project, and once he was on it, then some other actors started taking a good look at it. I would have to say, when I was a very young man, one of the things that cinema had impacted on me was the spy story, and particularly the Bond series. What was so interesting about Bond was not only Sean Connery, in a role that he was born for. Oh, yeah. It was the ability to, to, to give you a suspenseful movie that was also humorous. And humor is an important wow. element of the spy films. Right. Um, taking this film, this film goes back even a stage further. This is on the shoulders of North by Northwest. Ah. The idea of the innocent person who suddenly gets caught up in this elaborate spy caper and has they're completely out of their element and there's humor in that there's humor yeah. oh, in this yeah. this person that has no idea what spying is about getting dragged into this this spectacular spy caper you've selected a, a premium film to make that point let me give you one that's not quite as premium the man from uncle the man from uncle great film i love that another henry clavel film uh i absolutely love that movie adapted from the tv adapted from the tv show which was a favorite of mine growing up there had not been a previous film there had never been a previous well there had been a movie version of man from uncle made for tv Okay. Uh, they, they, they did a two-hour Man from okay, Uncle, but good. no, they, there had never really been a proper Man from Uncle yeah, film. I, f- I forgot. Sadly, that. I'd love to have seen Robert Vaughn and Callum do a, a proper film, but those days are well past. And then once they got a hold of the fact that you could have humor with suspense, they had a whole raft of them including Austin Powers, Man of Mystery. I'll go back even further. In the 60s, you had a lot of these. You had the President's Analyst. Oh, gosh. <laughs> taking you way back. Hey, really? Oh, yeah. that was, And you've got James Coburn doing all oh, those mo- Flint. Uh, Flint movies. Oh, yes. very good, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Coburn really nailed the, uh, the comedy spy capers. Yeah. I, I, I'm impressed by Flint because, of course, The Magnificent Seven is my favorite yeah. um, Western. But 
Was there that much humor in Flint? The Flint, oh yeah, the Flint films definitely had humor. Okay, good. And they, there was a recurring element. Probably the biggest ones, though, were the Dean Martin, Matt oh. Helm films. Wow, yes, yes. 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 <laughs> and I mean, they had several. Oh yeah, there's a whole string of them. Yeah. Because if you remember the movie um, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, they mentioned you know, Sharon, uh, Sharon Tate in one of them, I believe it was The oh. Silencers. Oh, oh. And yeah, these the Matt Helm films were just uh, very, very tough in cheek a lot of fun I'll tell you one that I thought was very sophisticated that had that humor and seriousness and see if you agree with me I spy yeah okay yeah some, had the humor and the seriousness yes, right yeah um, some, they're going for something a little bit more than just this Austin Powers silliness yeah now I'll go with one that you may not have even seen um, <laughs> this was a Bruce Willis film that kind of came and went in a blink of an eye but now has a cult following Hudson Hawk Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> with Sandra Bernhard. Wow! Well, I love wow, that you movie. Dug that I out. Love I love that movie. I, that movie falls into the Buckaroo Banzai of uh, of spy capers. Another sophisticated one. Mm-hmm. Charade. Didn't see it. Oh, all right. Oh, okay. I can see it. Cary Grant. Audrey yeah, Hepburn. Yeah. Yeah. Very sophisticated stuff, but. He brings that to yeah. any film. And, and this is where I think Argyle went off track, is Sam Rockwell can do almost anything, but he can't do comedy. He's never been able to do comedy. And, yeah, I think you're right. And, and this film desperately needs an element of humor in yes, it. It's yeah. too, for one thing, it's too uptight. It takes itself way too seriously, but it's also not funny enough. There needs to mm-hmm. be a few moments where it lightens up a little bit, gives us a little punchline, and then keeps moving. I'll tell you who brings funny just by him being in it. True Lies. Oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right, right. Yes, I think yes, Schwarzenegger yes. does it. Schwarzenegger and Sharon persona. Stone, yeah. What a great, great film there. Schwarzenegger could do comedy. Yes, I know. Bruce Willis could do comedy. Ah. Bruce Willis could make the most serious film funny with hardly any effort at all. And that's what I think they were looking for with this script, was sort of a young Bruce Willis or a George Clooney to carry this yes. kind of role. And Sam Rockwell is just not that person. But now, let me tell you, he's, he's such an enjoyment as, as an actor. Oh, a fantastic yeah, actor. Yeah. In that same level of craft, okay. just an amazing, amazing craftsman. His quality is phenomenal, but he is limited. He can't do comedy. He cannot uh, romance. When we look at the Bond, which I mentioned, mm-hmm. any that are really humorous, like Casino Royale, maybe? That- uh, well, if you want the humorous ones, you've really got to go with the Roger Moore, because they well, allowed the right series too. to yes. become very tongue-in-cheek for yes. a while. The weakest of them all was no doubt Moonraker. Moonraker it was their attempt to do Star Wars with James Bond. <laughs> very tongue-in-cheek, very played for laughs. Good Bond fans really <laughs> put it at the bottom of their list, usually. But it's, I mean, it's not a bad movie. I've watched it a couple of times. Beyond that, as far as humor goes... I'm going to probably go with one of the Timothy Dalton ones was not uh, was not oh, too right. bad. Well, switching over from yeah. Bond, which it has that as I had said before, that peculiarity where it can be thrilling and humorous at the same time, but a very subtle, actually almost sophisticated humor. Unlike an unsophisticated humor, get smart. Yes. Yeah. Get smart. If we're talking about the 60s show, very, very tongue in cheek. It was to spy films what McHale's Navy was to World War II series. Yes. Or Hogan's Heroes. Or Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> Hogan's Heroes, actually, uh, that, that was a great era of the 60s because you've got the World War II veterans who went through the war, had 
a lot of anxiety that they carried with them, and they needed that comedy to release. They yeah. needed to be able to sit down and finally laugh at their experiences, not in a in a critical way, but just to be able to get some of that re- release, some of that anxiety. And Hogan's Heroes and McHale's Navy did a great job of letting that letting off steam. Uh, one of the elements of um, our the, the current movie Argyle that we're yeah. talking about is I love that backpack. <laughs> the, I mean, the cat backpack. Right. I, it keeps the cat in the frame. Oh, it is good. It gives the cat an opportunity yeah. to look at what's going on. You get some cat point of view shots during the course of the film. Now, reportedly, the reason why Florence Pugh turned down the film was because she felt that there were scenes where they put the cat in jeopardy. Oh. And she objected to that. She's so quirky. Well, she, 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 is, is, she is a very, very high artist. She's very she picky is. about her films. She is. But f- so is Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell is supposedly one of the pickiest <laughs> actors out there. And how he ended up being the fourth choice and still taking the role is beyond me. Well, KG Klein, we're in February. <laughs> uh, we've dug around and we found a film that both of us enjoy called Argyle. Argyle. Big budget film, $200 million film for a February release. Incredible. This time, I, I thought it was almost good enough to have gone before January. I would say so. Yeah. I, I would say this is a definitely a, a notch above your usual February film. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Argyle. Argyle. <laughs>